Alright, this is awesome. Praise God for Songbok Church for opening these doors for us. This is great. Okay, well, along with uh, being campus pastor at New Philadelphia Church, just so you guys know a little bit more about me, uh, I've been serving here in Korea for almost nine years now. Uh, I lived in an orphanage for three years, the end of 2005 to 2008, uh, serving full-time there. Started an orphanage ministry. It's now an NGO called uh, Jerusalem Ministry. And I moved out of the home at the end of 2008, but I continued to serve there full-time during the week. So I had to cancel basketball practice with my boys tonight in order to be here. Um, just know you guys are privileged. Chose you over the orphans. Um, and uh, so I'm continuing to serve there. And I started up a scholarship program as well for Korean orphans called Oak Tree Project. And uh, so we help Korean orphans get through college. That's what I, that's what I do. I'm originally from Virginia. I uh, grew up there, studied engineering at Virginia Tech before God called me out here to Korea. So it's my privilege uh, to speak here tonight. Tonight's message is going to be maybe a little bit different than what you guys are used to. Um, a little bit of teaching, a little bit of testimony, and then just kind of a little punch at the end. Uh, so if you're taking notes, the title of the sermon tonight is Give Me Jesus. Give Me Jesus. I'm going to have you guys open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11. Philippians chapter 3. It's not on the podcast. Squeak, squeak. Okay. I'm going to read from the ESV, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 through 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ." Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I want to point out a word here in verse 8. It says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. That word rubbish in the Greek, um, the King James Version politely interprets it as dung. Um, but really, if you look at the Greek, it's the S word. Um, you know, it's, it's basically what it is. It's crap. I'll just say crap. I think you guys are okay with that. Uh, I count it as refuse, as dung, as rubbish. I count it all as crap compared to Christ. Anything that I've gained, anything, any earthly status, any earthly righteousness, all my works, everything in this life compared to Christ. It's not nothing compared to Christ. It's crap. I don't, I don't want it. I just want Jesus. Give me Jesus that I may know him. That's what Paul's writing about right here. And I want to tell you a little bit about my life, the journeys I've gone through and uh, how I've grown as a Christian. And then I'm going to come back to this word uh, at the end of this sharing. Uh, my story began, as I shared, in Virginia, northern Virginia. I was raised in a Christian family. They sent me to a Christian school. I knew how to be a Christian. Uh, I, you know, I was a good kid, good kid. But uh, it wasn't until high school, when I was 16, that I actually accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was at a camp, a retreat, 
and um, just the Spirit of God was moving during the worship. And as we were singing the songs, I heard God's voice for the first time. And it was just a very faint whisper. It wasn't this power of John Michael, you know, or anything like that. It was very simple, but it was just God saying, I love you. And it was in that moment, just a few memories, and they were random memories, flashed before my eyes. And they were just past memories of people showing me love, like a teacher or a friend. This wasn't like some crazy, powerful moment of love. It was just people showing me love. But behind each person, I saw God. And what I realized was every moment of love that I had experienced in my life, every time I had received love in my life, it was actually God orchestrating that love to me. See, 1 John 4.19 says, We love because God first loved us. And it was in that moment that I realized, not just the cross, oh yeah, he died for me on the cross, but for me, it was in the moment. It was the revelation that he didn't just love me then, but he loves me now. And every time someone loves me, no matter whether it's a family member or a friend or a teacher or a complete stranger that smiles at me on the street, God's working through that. Is every good and perfect gift comes from him. And it was in that moment of revelation of his love and how he's real, and, and he's been in my life. I just, I wept, and I went up, and, and I committed my life to the Lord. So I was 16, uh, and I, I began to pray. I began to read the Bible. But I will confess, I didn't understand anything in the Bible. I read, uh, I had this Promise Keepers Bible my dad gave me. It was just the New Testament. And so I would open it up, and I would read a chapter every night right before I go to sleep. That's one mistake. Uh, and, and I would read, and I'd be like, what is this talking about? And I would shut it, and, and I would pray over a few names, but um, there was no real growth with the Lord uh, in high school. I'm just being honest. I read the Bible every day, but I didn't get anything out of it. It wasn't until I went to college uh, that I really began to grow with the Lord. And one of the things that had to happen was I was pretty girl crazy in high school. I just focused, yeah, yeah, uh-uh. uh-uh. I, I thought about girls a lot. A lot more than I needed to. And, uh, you know, I dated, and, and my parents got married when they were 18 and 19. Sisters got married at 21. I figured, all right, you know, I got, I got to get moving here, you know? <laughs> and so uh, really focused on marriage and how finding fulfillment in marriage. And it wasn't until after my first semester of college, I actually had to drop that semester because I got really sick. I had to go home for that semester, dated this girl that I liked, um, and while I was recovering, which is another stupid thing, don't date when you're sick. Um, but it didn't work out, so I was kind of heartbroken. I go back to college, and I get in a fellowship like this, and suddenly I have accountability. Suddenly I have people I can look up to in the faith, people that aren't like really old at church, but people you know, a few years older than me that have shown that, wow, they've grown. They actually know God more. There's something more to this. And um, I began... To, to hunger for him. And they put me in an accountability group where we were reading four chapters of the Bible a day. And uh, we had to read four chapters a day and then meet one, one day a week. We wouldn't read, but instead we'd get together and we'd just do accountability. We'd share from what we had read. And this was a challenge for me because I was used to like one chapter of the New Testament. Those chapters are short, you know, at night and, you know, fall asleep. Now I'm reading four chapters of Isaiah. Isaiah. And, and so I remember uh, reading 24 chapters that week, and we got back together, and I realized I had nothing to share. I was like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. These angry Assyrians, Babylonians, Egyptians, you know, who are these people? And uh, somebody in the group hadn't read it, and so the rule was we got to read it again. Okay, that was kind of like the, the punishment. You got to read your Bible more. Um, and, and so I, I went back, and uh, I got opened it up again, and I got convicted, and I realized, wow, for like three years, I've been reading this thing, and I've gotten nothing out of it. I know God's speaking to me in this, though, because he's spoken to me here and there through sermons or, or through something dynamic, but I should be getting something daily from the Word. And so what I did was, um, I was like, all right, I got to take notes, but I hate writing. I, I just, I'm left-handed. It's awkward for my hand. Uh, and so I opened up a Word document. And I typed it, Isaiah 1. And I read Isaiah 1, and I'm like, I'm going to get something out of this chapter. And I read it, and there's like a sweet verse about how he'll, he'll you know, turn our, our, you know, by his blood, he's going to make us clean, okay? Turn our transgressions, make us white as snow. So I just typed that up, like, oh, that's cool. And I got in Isaiah 2, and I was like, oh, God's angry at these people. That's, that was my summary, you know, for that chapter. And I started doing that. And what I found was, as I kept asking God, like, speak to me here, 
speak to me, and I would actually try and look for something, I started to get something out of it. And so I got to the point where I was writing something for each of the four chapters, and we would get together, and I'd have all these things to share. And I'm telling you guys, once you hit that breakthrough in reading the Word, it gets a lot easier. It's like, oh, suddenly I can do this. And, and I kept reading and reading to the point where when I finished college, that document that started just one sentence per chapter, started writing a few sentences, started writing paragraphs. I, look, I just opened it in the cafe. It's a document I've, I haven't looked at in a long time. But it's 390 pages, single-spaced, 12-point font. That's just, that's how deep I got in the Word in college. It's just as I tasted and saw the Lord was good, there was greater hunger. And, and there would be seasons where I'd read four chapters a day. If you do that, you'll get through the Bible in a year. And then there were other seasons where I would just read one chapter a day. But what I would do is I would read it, then I would read it again and underline, and then I would do my summaries. So I would take the same amount of time that I would take for four chapters, just studying one chapter in depth. And I'm telling you guys, it just enriched me. And uh, I want to take you, have you guys take some notes. It was also my, my uh, first semester in college. It was my second because I was sick. But I went through some training in my fellowship. And this was one thing that they taught. And so if you have a piece of paper in front of you, I want you to sketch a hand. Okay, you can sketch your own hand. But if it's a small piece of paper, just write like a little hand, a handprint. Okay, four, four fingers and a thumb. Write that in your notes. Encourage you guys to do that. If you have your, your smartphone, Try and borrow a piece of paper from somebody. Um, yeah, <laughs> James has a club. Uh, so try and, try and just sketch it. You can just sketch it really small. This is the, this is the hand. It's supposed to represent our grip on the word. The pinky. I want you guys to write above the pinky finger. This is Hearing. Hearing the word of God. This is the beginning. To get a grip on the word, first you got to hear it. You're hearing it right now. You just heard Philippians chapter 3. You're going to hear a lot more of the word uh, as I share today. That's hearing. That's the beginning. Okay? A baby has to hear before a baby can talk. Got to hear first. Next, you got your ring finger. All right, this is reading. Now, now you've, you've, you've gotten to the point where I was in high school, where I was actually reading it. Still wasn't getting that much, but I was at least reading it. Middle finger, meditating. Now, this, this is another level right here. And this is why I started to do that freshman year, where I would actually write out a little summary, meditating. Meditating on the scripture. Now, the ring finger, you want to have authority? Memorization. Yeah, I know you guys love that one. In, index finger. Did I say ring finger? I'm sorry. Index finger. <laughs> when, I, when I proposed to my wife, I didn't know what finger to put the, <laughs> the ring on. Uh, okay, so, yeah. The index finger is memorization. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Okay? When you write it on your heart, when you got it in you, there's such authority. But the thumb is the most important. Because without the thumb, these fingers are, are, are worthless. The thumb is apply. You don't just be hearers of the word. You've got to be doers of the word. Okay, faith without works, is, it's worthless. You got the five? That's why I always have you guys do is now I want you to take your Bible and hold it. I want you to hold it with your pinky. Hold it with your pinky. You can hold your smartphone if you want. Hold your smartphone with your pinky. Now the person next to you is going to be Satan. And that person is going to take, try and steal the word from you. All right, so Satan, go ahead, try and take it away. Let's see how strong your grip is on the Word of God just by hearing. You bunch of babies, you can't hold on to the Word of God now, can you? All right, now if you do hearing and reading, you might have a little bit more of a grip. You might be able to hold on for like a few more seconds, but my bet is it's gone. Okay? But now try it with all five fingers. Hold on to it. Now let, now let Satan try and grab it from you. Let's see if you can hold on now. See, James can't get it from Jehe. You know, that's, that's grip. Jehe's got it. Mighty woman of God. All right, this is what I had to learn. 
All right, and this is what you guys got to get. This is the basics. You got to get a grip on the word. And if I did not get a grip on the word when I was in college, I would not be the man that I am today at all, at all, okay? And so this was a big part of my growth was just getting in the word, reading it. I had accountability challenging me, and then I was asking God before I would read the word, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. That's all I would pray. Holy Spirit, speak to me today. And I'm telling you guys, even in the weird chapters, you know, those like genealogies or, or you know, the, the, the different angry prophecies, I would start to see stuff. And even today, when I read the Word, I've read this Bible so many times, uh, I, I, I can't really say. I've read it in almost every version as well. And, and He's still speaking to me, continuing to speak to me. This, this Word, it's living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. There's so much revelation. It's countless. And these mysteries are so deep. So I'm telling you guys, you will not ever get to a point where, oh, I've had enough. As you keep asking the Spirit for more, He's going to give you more. And it's going to make you strong, firm, deeply rooted. But it wasn't just the Word of God that I grew in. So you hear that I used to be, you know, the baby that would read a chapter before I fell asleep. And then God convicted me, you need to be reading when you're awake. So I would read in the morning, but I'm not a morning person, so I would not do the whole wake up early to read. I'm just being honest, okay? I would go to class first, or if I had late classes, I would do my reading at 10 o'clock. By then, I'm awake, okay? And then I would read. But if I had 8 o'clock classes, I'm not waking up at 6.30 to read the, read the Bible. It's just not quality time. It'd be like my wife and I waking up at 5 in the morning to have a date. Not going to work, okay? We'd be sitting there, but it, nothing's really happening. So, so I would go to my 8 o'clock class, my 9 o'clock engineering class, and I'd come back. It's 10.30. Then I would read the Word. Okay, you got to be smart about this. No, when, when are you the strongest? If you're going to go on a date, you're going to go when you are the most alert. You're not going to choose really late at night when you're exhausted. You're not going to choose really in the morning when you're not even awake. You're going to choose a good time. So much more your time with God. Prayer time, though. This is even more. My prayer time in high school, um, I mean, I, I would pray, and I did see my two best friends get saved, uh, and, and, you know, that was great, but there was very little depth. Basically, my prayer time was, I had a journal, and I wrote out, like, seven or eight names, and I would just pray for them every night. I'd just pray, 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 and shut it, and go to sleep. And, you know, like five minutes, a few minutes, just pray. And uh, then, in this fellowship, I got challenged in this teaching class. They taught about prayer, and they taught it from the Lord's Prayer. And so now I'm going to teach you the six P's of prayer. The six P's of prayer. And this is from Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. So you, I'm going to have you do the first P. The first P is praise. Praise. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. When we start praying, you got to start praying with praise. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving on my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. To go into the Holy of Holies, to go into the presence of God, you had to come praising Him. You had to come recognizing Him for who He is. And so I was taught that whenever I start prayer, I need to start it with praise. Even if it's like some emergency or some stress moment. Because if I don't start with praise, I'm not seeing God in His true light. You know, in those emergencies, you're like, oh God, help me, okay. You know, and you like freak out. That's not really faith-filled prayers. That's panic prayers. But when you're like, God, you are my shalom, you are my strength, you have delivered me time and time again, I need you now, oh, there's faith right there. Because you've recognized him for who he is. Got to start with praise. Whether you're having a long prayer time or just a really short prayer time, whether it's intercession, whether it's just, you know, talking with him, whatever it is, you start with praise. That's why in our services, we don't do the sermon first. We, we have praise first. I don't know if you guys ever knew that. Why, why do we praise first? Have you ever thought about that? Why don't we just mix things up, you know? Come in, sermon, then we'll do announcements, and then we'll do greet your neighbor, and then we'll close with praise. It's backwards. Praise always should go first. P, P for praise. Number two, second P, provision. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Erase that. Delete, 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 delete. I'm doing this off of memory. All right, it's purpose, purpose. Purpose. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, man, this wrecked me. I didn't understand it. I never prayed that prayer. I never understood that. And it wasn't until in college of praying this for years that I started to realize how powerful that prayer is. This is the life-changing prayer right here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is really what it gets at. What's the purpose of your life? Why are you here on earth? 
What does the Bible say? What's the purpose to my life? Is it to achieve my dreams? To listen to my heart? Is it to do whatever? The purpose of your life, if you actually read the scripture, it's to bring glory to his name. How do you bring glory to his name? By revealing him here on earth. How do you reveal Christ here on earth? One, you have intimacy with him. And two, you obey him. You be his hands and his feet. They will know you are Christians by your love. By your love. And so our purpose is to bring his kingdom here on earth. To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. Release from darkness for the prisoners. Our purpose is your kingdom come, your will be done. And what I realized was all my prayers before were, God, help me with this exam. God, I like this girl. I I pray that you open this door. Help me be with this girl. God, I I pray that you take care of this. You take care of that. What was the purpose to my life? It was me. All my prayers were intercession for me and for my friends, you know, for them as well. But it was really about me. And it wasn't until I started praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that I started to get convicted. What's the point of all this prayer afterwards? Is it all about me? Or is it for his glory? This is, this is life-changing stuff, guys. If you get this one, your purpose in life, everything is going to start to change, and it's worth it. It's worth it. So praise and purpose. Number three, provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Provision. This is the one that I was used to. God, I need help with this. God, I need help with that. God, I need that. That's okay. God wants to hear your needs. You should never feel bad about coming to God with these things. Praying to God. God, grant me wisdom. God, grant me patience with this person that's really irritating me. God, you know, help me out here. God, and so I would make a list of different things I was praying for provision for, whether it's financial or it's relational or it's academic or, or you know, anything like that. You need to bring your request to the Lord for provision. You've got to expect that. Number four. It's pardon, pardon, forgiveness. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And this is a time where I would, in my prayer time, after I was taught this, what I would do is first I would just start with a little bit of praise. And it it wasn't until I really matured as a Christian that praise got longer. And I would do my purpose. And again, as a baby Christian, it was just I would read that phrase. That was it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then I would pray through my request. And then I would take a pause. And I would I'd push my journal uh, you know, on my desk, uh, you know, with my roommate in the room, my, my, my headphones on, listening to, to praise music. And I would turn off the praise music, and I would just close my eyes. And I would just listen to the Lord. And if God convicted me of a certain sin, I would repent of it. If God convicted me I needed to forgive someone, I would forgive that someone. And I would just listen, see if God had something to say. Some days, guys, I heard nothing, and that's, that's fine. Other days, God would speak to me, and, and God would guide me, or, or God would encourage me. But I'd always just take a moment to listen. And this is what real mature people in the faith, I would hear from time to time again whenever I go to conferences. You know, you spend all your time praying and talking to God, but when do you ever listen? And I would get convicted, but then my flesh, I would always just want to talk, you know. God, give me this. God, give me that. Amen. I'm done. I'm moving on. And God said, just give me a few minutes. So I would do that during the pardon time. I'd ask for a conviction. You know, search me, oh God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. That's the end of Psalm 139. Just listen. And then after that, turn the praise music back on. And number five is people. People. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, it's not, you know, as obvious. It talks about forgiveness. But... Also in Ephesians 6, 18, it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, continuing to pray for all the saints. We are commanded to pray for people. And so this was the time that would be my biggest chunk of prayer. And I would make a list of different people that I would pray for. All right, and I'd I'd pray for my Bible study leader. I'd pray for my family. I'd pray for this and that. And, you know, when... uh, I was a freshman. I would pray about 10 minutes a night. So I'd make my different, different list, the six Ps, and I would pray through it about 10 minutes a night. The last P, number six, is protection. Protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I would just pray that, protection. God, grant me grace today to walk in your spirit, to obey you. Protect me from the evil one. Very simple prayer there. So the majority of my time when I was young, it was spent on provision and on people, but I made sure to include each of them. It was as I really matured with God and tasted his love that the praise and the purpose got a lot longer, okay? And uh, so my freshman year, 
It's like 10 minutes a night. And um, my sophomore year, I was just growing in his love. And what happens, the more love you receive, the more your capacity to love increases. And so it's like my cup was increasing. And so my sophomore year, that first semester, I think I was praying about 20 minutes a night. Uh, not a night, 20 minutes a day. And then the next semester, I was praying uh, maybe 30 minutes a day. And then my third year, my first semester, I was praying about 40 minutes, about 45 minutes. And then I took another semester off, and I worked engineering uh, in Richmond, Virginia, uh, for Infineon Technologies, this, this semiconductor company. So I was working there, and I was getting really deep with the Lord during that season, praying about an hour. And then the next semester was about an hour and a half. And then the next semester, it was about hour 45. And then during my last year, it was about two, two and a half hours of prayer uh, each day in college. And this was not burdensome prayer. This was, I love the presence of God prayer. This was, I'd made a uh, kind of covenant with the Lord that I would always spend time with him first before doing my homework. And I'm, I don't like staying up late. I'm kind of an adjushi in that. And so uh, at, like, midnight, I would just be like, all right, it's time to go to sleep. So on some days, I would, you know, get home really late after all these study groups. I still hadn't had my prayer time. So I'd have my prayer time. I'd read the word. I'd wash up, and I'd just go to sleep. Forget the homework. Okay, for, forget the studies. That sounds really bad, but you know what? I committed my studies to the Lord. And God was faithful with my studies. And uh, I got my, my first semester, I didn't know what my parents really wanted. But I ended up with Dean's List. Dean's List is like honors. Um, it was a 3.4 out of 4 or something like that in, in America. And uh, I brought it home and, you know, I showed it to them. They're like, oh, this is Dean's List. I'm like, Dean's List? What's that? And they're like, oh, you know, you got over this. And they're really happy. So I was like, oh, there's my, that's my line. God, help me just make Dean's List. That makes my parents happy. And so it wasn't that I was neglecting school. It was just I knew in my priority in the line of eternity God's so much more important. So I'm going to be faithful with what God's called me to do here in college, but I'm not going to let it consume me. And so I made that covenant. I'm going, to, I'm going to read the word, and I'm going to pray before I do my schoolwork. And, you know, when I was just doing that for like 30 minutes a day or, or 45 minutes a day, it wasn't that bad. But during my fourth year and fifth year, when I was praying that long and then reading the Bible on top of that and then leading a fellowship and doing all these things in that fellowship, I had at least one meeting a day for that. I got almost straight A's in my engineering classes. I would go to my professors, and they'd be like, you got a, a 91, that's a A minus, but I really, you know, you, your effort, your, you, how you were there every day, well, I, was, I was just encouraged by your effort, I'm going to give you an A. Next class I go to, oh, you got, or it was like, it was a B plus, I'll give you an A. Next class I go to, oh, you got an 88, that's a B, um, but... I just saw you every day. And I would sit in the way back, too, for some of these classes. But they would notice me. And uh, they're like, I'm going to give you an A. I'm like, okay. okay. And, and this is what happens, guys, when you put God first. He takes care of you. And this is what you've got to learn. Otherwise, you're going to be suffering all through your life, striving to make money, striving to get that manager's position, striving to do all those things. But if you just put God first, he opens these doors. He gives you favor. So God was teaching me this when I was still very young, when I, when I was still your age. Putting God first. So the six P's of prayer. This helped me in my prayer time. And I hope this will help you guys. Just, you know, don't think, oh, i got to pray a lot. No, just five minutes a day. Ten minutes a day. But just, just go through this and ask, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me pray. Help me connect with you. And you just got to understand, what starts as a trickle soon will become a stream. And soon that stream is going to become a river. And you're going to be so blessed. And your prayer time will not be religious. I, t I told you guys, during that last year, usually out of one week, I would cry at least three times in prayer during that week. It's like I'd be having my prayer time. And what I started to do, one of the reasons why it went so long, was that during that pardon time, when I'd listen, then I'd take some moment to speak in tongues, and then I would open up like a, a book from a missionary or just some, some devotional book, and I'd just start reading. And God would just hit me, and I would just start weeping because of his love. And I, one of my prayers that really happened in my third year, I started praying consistently, was, God, give me your heart. Help me experience your heart for these other people. Help me understand how you feel for these other people. That was when I first cried in prayer. I was never a crier. I mean, I cried at Braveheart, okay? That, the movie, you know, maybe you guys saw that. But I didn't cry at almost any movies. I didn't cry at, like, bad things happen, you know. 
went to college. My mom's crying you know, at the dorm. I'm like, Mom, get away, you know, uh, when I first went to college. But then in my third year, when I started praying, God, give me your heart, I started to feel his heart. And I would just start weeping for people. And I'd weep because I feel his love so strongly. Oh, my gosh, you love these people so much. And so it got to the point where during my fifth year, it was just like this deep intimacy with the Lord. It's time that I just, I cherish because there are seasons in your life where you're going to have these opportunities. And then there's seasons where that door is going to shut. After I graduated, I had to work construction. I'm waking up at, at 4.45 in the morning, you know, driving, putting on a hard hat, 6 in the morning to 2 in the afternoon. I was still praying, but I couldn't pray for two and a half hours and read the Word all this time. You have different windows in life. When you're, you're going to have more free time and you're going to have less. Okay, it's not this religious thing of, oh, I've got to pray a lot or I've got to pray a little. It's just pursuing Him. But it's in those moments when you get those seasons where you can have that extended time with him. It's so sweet. It should be sweet. And if it's not, hey, cut it down. Don't be fake with God because it's going to eat at your soul. Just be real with him. Spend the time that you can with him. Ask for more. He will gradually give you more of an appetite. Another thing, speaking of appetite, uh, it was 9-11, uh, September 11, 2001. I remember I was, I was walking down to the gym at uh, my university, and uh, I was working out in these these guys around me were saying, I, I guess we're going to war. I was like, what? And I noticed all these big meathead guys s- looking at CNN. I was like, what? You know, these like meatheads watching the news? And so I went over and I saw that the airplane had hit the World Trade Center. And uh, I went back to my dorm room and we're watching it. And then we see the second airplane hit. And we're just, we're just shocked. And then, man, when the buildings fell, it was just... Like, oh, my gosh. And what happened that same exact day was I got word from my mom that um, this lady that she knew, her husband had passed away, and her daughter was at Virginia Tech, and someone needed to give her the news. So I had to go tell the girl as well that her dad had passed away. Not 9-11, but it was just happened to be that same day. So this was a heavy day for me. And uh, I remember just I didn't want to eat. Just like my appetite was gone. And a friend of mine from another university called me and he said, Hey, uh, I'm going to fast. Will you fast with me? I was like, Fasting? What, what is it? He's like, Oh, we're just, I'm not, just not going to eat for 24 hours. You know, will you do this? Just drink water. I said, Okay. Yeah, I don't even want to eat. And so I fasted for those 24 hours. And I didn't even understand really what it was, but I was just saying, You know, God, be with, be with these people as they're mourning for their loved ones. God, take care of this nation. You know, after those 24 hours, it wasn't like I felt great or, or anything like that. I was hungry. Um, but I knew God was pleased. I could just sense it in my spirit. And so I tested God. I'm being honest. I tested God. And I said, okay, God, if you really like fasting, I'm going to try it again next month. And I'm going to pray for my youth pastor and his wife because they were struggling. It was looking like divorce. It was a mess. And so I fasted one day, 24 hours, just water. And a day later, I get an email from the youth pastor. He didn't, he didn't know I had been praying for him. But he said there was a sudden breakthrough with, with his wife. And it was this praise report. I was shocked. So I tested God again the next month. And uh, I got to look back at my journal. I can't remember what I prayed for, but it got answered again. Now, this doesn't happen every time you fast. But this was God telling me, hey, this is good. And so I started to fast once a month. One day a month, I would fast. And I began to realize, wow, fasting is really saying, God, more than this, I hunger for you. More than the things of this world, I want you. God, you mean so much more than food. You mean so much more than looking jacked. You mean so much more than whatever. I want you. And, and in that hunger, I started to fast. Uh, I think it was in my third year. I started to fast every other week, just every other Monday. And um, it wasn't hard. I mean, you know, in the fast, it's a little difficult. But, but the hunger was growing. And I kept praying that, God, so much more I want you. So when I started working at Infineon Technologies in Richmond, the engineering, I was like, all right, God, I'm just going to fast every Monday. And I'm just going to give it to you. And I'm going to seek you. And, and I would do that. And at my company, um, I worked in this fabrication plant, had to put up all this, you know, all this stuff to go into the clean room and, and work there and then work in the cubicle all day. It was a long commute. But at lunchtime, what I would do is I would run out to my car and drive to just this, this barren area. This is outside Richmond, so it's just not much around there. And I would just sit and turn on some praise music and just pray and just kind of listen to the Lord. Or I'd read a book. Uh, and I treasured those times. It was so sweet. It was so good. 
And uh, I continued to fast, but you know what happened was when I started working construction, that season ended. I stopped fasting. You can't fast and work construction. You just can't do it. And then when I came to Korea, living in the orphanage, I tried fasting again. So I'm like, God, I'm going to go all out after you. You know, this is all for you. Living here in Korea with these orphans that I can't speak the language to. You know, 88 kids. And I got sick every time I fasted. And, and I was wondering, why, God? I'm doing this to please you. And God said, no. The season is over. Stop fasting. Just walk with me. Don't find any, you know, righteousness in your fasting. And that's what I realized was it was starting to become this righteous thing where I had to do it to be a good Christian. And God said, no, 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 that's, that's not pleasing to me. Stop fasting. So I stopped fasting. And there's seasons now when I fast. If it's, you know, leadership or praying for North Korea or, or different things that happen. But I'm not doing what I did in college. Again, that was a season. And you got to know the season you're in. And it's not something you just jump in and, and do like crazy. It's gradual. Start once a month during my second year. And then it was, it just started to go deeper and started to go deeper. But what I know is from college, from that time, my roots were getting so deep so that when I came to Korea and I'm living in this orphanage and I have no friends, I have no family, I have nobody here in Korea living with 88 kids, living with a staff that can't speak English. And, and they were all scared of me because I'm the white guy and they don't want to speak English around me. And so I'd be in the office and they'd be like, you, you go talk to him. No, 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 you go talk to him. And I would know what they were saying, even though I didn't understand the Korean, because I could hear my name, J.M., J.M., you know. And feeling so alone, I was still secure. And I was still safe, because those roots were deep. And it was from that season that God had given me in college. He had made those roots so deep. College is a special season. I know you guys complain, oh, I'm so busy. I'm a, you're not busy. You have time. You have time. Really, if you choose to prioritize, you have time. You can focus on your studies if you want, but you don't need to spend that much time in order to get, get you know, the grades that you need. Another thing that God taught me in college that was really dear to me was being thankful. And uh, what I got convicted, and this was after a few years in college. This took some maturity. But I started to realize my attitude wasn't that good. And, you know, I thought I was a great person. I thought I was, but I realized I could still get negative at times. And I could still just, you know, get bitter and, and get frustrated. And God said, what are you thankful for? You know, that whole praise thing. So what I started to do was at night before I would go to sleep. This was right before I would go to sleep. I would just go through the day. And I would say, God, I'm thankful for um, breakfast this morning. I'm thankful for seeing that friend as I was walking to class. Uh, God, I'm, I'm thankful that my study group went well. Uh, God, I'm thankful that I got to, to watch that TV show with my, you know, apartment mates. Uh, God, I'm thankful for, you know, just simple stuff. And I would do that right before I would go to sleep. But the more I did that, the more I did the thankful every day, the longer it got. Not like ridiculous long, but just I started to realize that even on those horrible days where like life sucks, you know, it's raining and I got bad grades and that person was bad, you know, mean to me. Those days where you're like, oh, this is the worst day of my life. I still had so much to be thankful for. And, and that's what started to convict me was that there's no bad day in Christ. I mean, there's tough days. But this helped me so much so that when I came to Korea and these kids are, are you know, rejecting me and, and I'm struggling and I'm trying to eat the kimchi, but it's just, just really difficult, I could still find so much to be thankful for. Life isn't that hard. It really isn't that hard. If you're thankful, if you're keeping your eyes on God, because there's always stuff in the day. Even in the worst of days, there's always something because his light shines in the darkness. Thankfulness. How much, how much time have I got, James? Ten minutes? Okay, good. Yeah, there, there's a lot more um, that happened in college. I, I had to cleanse my mind. Uh, I struggled with lust in high school. You know, just those, those different dirty thoughts. And when I started to get sanctified, I thought, okay, you know, I'm not looking at anything, you know, on the Internet. I'm not doing that stuff. I'm clean. But as I started to get deeper with God in college, that conviction came again. He said, okay, yeah, you know, in the physical, everything looks good. But in your mind, it's still, it's still not pure. And so I had to start giving that to the Lord. And uh, what God convicted me was, you know, when, when you're walking to your classes, and, you know, you, you, you think a thought or you see someone with, like, no clothes on or, you know, whatever. It's what I would picture in my mind was a boot. It was, like, stomping that thought. Like, boom. Like that. And I would shift my mind. I would just shift my mind and I'd sing a praise song. Or I'd just shift my mind and I'd think about football. 
being honest, being real with you guys here. I'm not some religious fanatic freak, okay? Uh, you know, I would just, but I learned to shift my mind from that evil. What you got to understand is when you have impure thoughts or you have, you know, thoughts of lust, it doesn't even have to do with, with you know, sexual thoughts, but just like coveting or, or bitterness or, or, you know, something like that. It gets ingrained in your mind so that you keep doing it. This is why thankfulness is so important because when you train your mind to be thankful, you become more thankful. But when you train your mind to be lustful, you become more lustful. And so God had to train me in that. And so that boot, doosh, that boot, doosh, that, that's what would happen to the point where just no issue with lust whatsoever. And, and it just got so pure. And my relationships with sisters were so pure in college, even after I came to Korea, you know, and still today. There's none of this weirdness. There's none of this guilt. There's none of this hidden stuff. And God really proved me because the lie I'd always believe is this is every man's battle. You will battle this until the day you die. There's a truth that, yeah, it is a battle, and it's every man and almost every woman's battle as well. Uh, but you should become more than a conqueror. This shouldn't be something where you're fighting all your life and, oh, I messed up or, or anything like that. You should really, if, if you get in the Word and you get in prayer and you get deep with the Lord, it will get to the point where you've been fighting with Satan and then you smack him in the jaw and he falls to the ground and you put your foot on his neck. Okay? He's still alive. Oh, yeah, that temptation's still there. Well, I got it. Okay? This is what you've got to believe. And then when people have lapses, what happens is they get their foot off because they're not spending time in the Word. They're not praying. They're not keeping focused. Satan gets back up and attacks them, and they fall back down, and they start to believe that lie that, oh, I can't do it. Oh, I'm, I'm so weak. It's so, it's so pathetic. Punch him again. Get him back down. Put your foot on him and walk in purity. Walk in light. Walk in strength. We as Christians should always have our foot on his neck. Scripture says that he's been disarmed. He has no authority over us. He has no authority over me, Jesus says. All right, he has no authority over us either if we're filled with his spirit. But we got to get in the word to know our authority. We got to get in prayer. We got to get accountability to remind ourselves. Because sometimes we can forget because he keeps flashing those messages. But as long as we keep sharp, we got we got our foots on his neck. I want you to look at Philippians chapter 3 again. Verse 8. Philippians chapter 3. I'll read verse 7 and 8. It says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. I count them as crap in order that I may gain Christ. I never imagined the life that I'm living now. Usually when I come to Emmaus, I share how God led me to Korea. I share how God uh, you know, brought me together with my wife. I share like these power testimonies. All right, these like, wow, so dramatic. Wow, God is so amazing, these testimonies. Since I came to Korea, I, I was 23 when I came to Korea, living in the orphanage, living off of just a little bit of support, Knew nobody out here. Found my way to this church, you know, but, but didn't really get connected. Over the years, I'm now directing an NGO, Jerusalem Ministry. I started a church in Itaewon. Now I'm pastoring another church. I'm now also directing a scholarship mentoring program for orphans who want to go to university. I'm overseeing different full-time staff continuing to serve in an orphanage. I've received so many different prophetic words and dreams about North Korea. Different people have given them to me. I've been trained in healing deliverance and overseeing the healing deliverance ministry at my church for a number of years now. I'm 32 now. This has all happened in these past nine years. I don't know what you guys have dreamed in your life. I don't know what you guys want to do, you know, what your 10-year plan is. I had, I, honestly, when I came to Korea, I had these big aspirations, and I'm like, God, if you brought me here, you're going to do, you know, these things. But God completely turned it around. And, and I remember when we became an NGO, and we're being interviewed by these, you know, Korean hajishis, you know, and suits for, for it. They looked at me, and it was just with shock. Because at the time, I, I think I was, I was 25. And um, I just, you know, I looked so young. They thought I was a cult, cult leader. And so I had to get all these references, and, you know, they had to work it through. 
but then, you know, leading the church and then doing all these different things. God's done so much. And I came as a missionary living off of almost no support. I was very, I had a poverty mindset. I just ate kimbap and mandu all the time. I get sick a lot. And God had to correct me of that. And he had to tell me, I will meet all your needs according to my glorious riches. You are not meant to be a poor witness of me. Okay? You are meant to walk in health. You are meant to walk in life. Not this rich fool, but you're meant to walk in the fullness of my glory and to be a good witness. So when people look at me, they're not like, oh, yeah, I want to be a Christian because I want to be sick and poor. But rather, wow, that guy is walking in health, fullness, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And so God began to cause me to pray with faith that support would come in. And support came in. Now I'm, I'm married. I have a car. I have a nice apartment here in the city. I would pray for things, and God would give it to me. I remember when I was living in the orphanage, I'd be like, man, God, I could really use a microwave in this little you know, room where I'm, I'm staying. And um, I left for a week to get a, do a visa run. I came back, and there was a microwave. The orphanage had just put a microwave in there. Oh, cool. And then I had this little TV that was, like, really fuzzy, uh, probably from the 80s in there. And, um, and I was like, man, God, it'd be cool if I had a, a DVD player. I could show movies to my kids. And then somebody came with a DVD player. I was like, hey, I wanted to get this for you. Oh, you know, thank you. I started to show DVDs. But it's on this little screen, so my kids would gather in the room and, you know, be, be staring. And I'm like, I'm not going to pray for a big TV. But I started praying. I was like, oh, it'd be, you know, it'd be nice if I had a little bit bigger TV. And then my kids come up one day with this big box. It's one of those big box before the thin TVs. And they're like, I'm like, what is this? And they're like, oh, you know, they, they said this is for, for your room. I'm like, oh, okay, put it in there. And then I was like, man, God, you know, it'd be cool if I had a, a video camera. I could take home videos of these kids. And somebody's like, hey, you need a, a video camera? I used mine from a mission trip. I don't need it anymore. He gave it to me. A girl carried a printer across Seoul for me. So random. A young girl was like, do you need a printer? I was like, yeah, I guess. And then she carried it across Seoul. If I had known she was going to carry it, I would have gone to get it. God would just provide in those little ways. And he's provided so much more. And so there'd be times, you know, when I would think, like, you know, I'd read about these billionaires and like, what a crazy life. You know, imagine if you had all the money in the world, you could do whatever you wanted. And I would think about it a little. And then I would realize, man, I have everything. I walk with the Lord. He meets all my needs. If I really needed something, if it was really close to my heart and I'm walking in obedience with him, he'll give it to me. But you know what? If I had all that money and I was counting on that money, it would be a burden. It would, it would just take the life out of me. And I realize how thankful I am for what I have. And, you know, I look back on my life, and there's not a moment where I'm like, oh, I wish I, wish I had made this decision instead. Or I wish I got married sooner with someone else. Or, or I wish that something else had happened. There's nothing like that. Because I've just been walking with him. And I'm so satisfied. I'm so content. And you know what? You know, people ask me, like, well, when North Korea opens up, are you going to go in? Are you going to do all those things? And, and I'm like, well, it, I'm not going to go in until God says go in. And if he tells me to go in, I'll go in. But you know what? I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm satisfied now that I have an orphanage in North Korea. I'm not going to get to a point where, oh, now I'm really, I've made it. I'm really satisfied. There's no moment in life that's truly satisfying. My joy is in the Lord. And I'll be honest, you can take the orphanage, you can take the scholarship, you can take the NGO, you can take my church, you can take my family, you can take everything from me. All I want is Jesus. And I look back at those days and when I was in Richmond and I would go home at night, no one would be there. I was alone a lot during those six months, that internship. And I would get home and I would, I would go for a walk or go for a jog eat some dinner, go upstairs, just pray, read the word a bit, and go to sleep. That was my life. And it was so good. And it was so sweet. And it was in those moments with him where it was just like, God, I, I just want to be with you. I want to be in heaven. I want to be in your presence. And I'll live this life, and I'll do whatever you call me to do. But God, more than anything else, more than fame, more than family, more than riches, more than anything else. I just want you. So there's never been a moment in my life where I've been like, oh, now I'm a pastor of a church. Oh, now I'm a director of a ministry. Oh, now I've done this. 
that I've had any satisfaction, any moment where it's like, now I've made it. I made it long ago. It was when I knew him. It was when I walked, began to walk with him. And I just want to tell you guys, if anything of this world, no matter how good it might be, no matter how, wow, you know, I became a praise leader of this church. Wow, I, I started this company that brings green energy to the world. Wow, I did all this. Hey, that's great. But compared to God, it's crap. He's so much better. He's so much sweeter. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the greatest purpose a, a person could ever dream of. You will be more satisfied living that life than any profession, than any relationship, than anything else in the world. No temptation satisfies. Nothing. There's not, I don't look back when I dated my wife, Skye, and, and think, oh, I wish I'd crossed a boundary with her. You know, a physical boundary when we were being tempted. It, it, you know, it, in the moment, it's like, oh, why don't we just go a little bit farther? Oh, you know, it would it'd be so sweet if we could do this. But, you know, we, we kept our boundaries. We kept accountability. And there's not a moment after we got married where I, I would look back and think, oh, I wish I'd crossed that boundary with Sky. It's stupid. Of course I don't. And yet so many people live in that moment. And they think, oh, if only I just had this now. Oh, if only I could just, just get this now. And they lose sight of eternity. And they lose sight of their real purpose. And they waste their life. They waste their energy on things that do not satisfy. But it's as you walk with him, as you just get a little bit deeper, go from five minutes to ten minutes. You just, you just you know, open the word and now I'm going to journal just a little bit. As you just go deeper, you will have no regrets. There will be no moment in your life where you'll be like, I wish I'd read a little bit less of the Bible. I wish I'd pray just a little bit less. I wish that I, I hadn't gone on that missions trip that God told me to go on. God wants to satisfy you. And it's through his son, Jesus. I'm going to ask Johnny to come on up.